You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Saturday morning to everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. What's up there, my hey, friend? Hey, Gary. How you doing today? Good. Nice to see you. How was your you week? You too. Pretty good. Pretty good. Just getting back in the thick of it, you know, almost February. Are you a winter guy? Oh, no. I grew up in Florida, so you know I hate the winter. <laughs> what keeps you then? If you're, all right, you grew up in you grew up in Florida, and you said yourself, and I don't blame you. I, I like the summer weather myself, but what keeps you in Connecticut? Why Connecticut and not Florida for you, full-time? Um, Why? Well, I have a family, and they're up here, and I mean, that's that. Could you move, you know? to, could you move take uh, your family south? or Probably not that easily. No. And I have family in Florida, so we see them time to time, obviously, so it's not gone, but... I definitely want to be down there full time eventually. It's just not going to happen yet. But it's like almost everyone I talk to from Connecticut has this plan to get out at some (laughs) point. Nobody says I want to still be in Connecticut when I'm 80 years old battling the cold in the winter. So for me, I'm, you know, I'm waiting for the right opportunity like anyone else. All right. So last week I had asked you something about, you know, we we were discussing a little bit. I'm trying to remember where this time of year, not too many people put their house on the market, but once the weather breaks, and, and I think you said we're both in agreement that we're hearing good things come maybe mid mid spring that uh, there'll be a shift, there'll be the inventory will be higher, and that's what we're perhaps interest for. rates a little lower. Yep, okay, yep. so in the southern states, let's just let's say Florida because that's what we were just discussing. Um, do they have a season or is it year round? It's more year round. There's okay. definitely seasonality. But when you see like up here, a lot of people are not buying homes in the winter. More people are buying homes down there because a lot of people will move or have the intention of moving in those winter months. That's when they get sick and tired and fed up with the bad weather. So people start perusing, hey, maybe we should move. Let's look at properties. And a lot of people vacation down in the southern states during the winter. Okay. So that can lead to home showings and that. So will they keep their house here in Connecticut and buy a house for the winter, like the snowbirds? Usually a lot of retirees yep. will do this. Yep. Or or do they rent, whether it's keep maintaining their home mm-hmm. in Connecticut because this is where they've lived, and just rent in Florida for the four or five months, six months sometimes? Or is it better to do... To flip it and say, I'm going to buy my house right. in Florida because of the taxes. I'm only going to get taxed when I buy it, not annually like Connecticut. Well, and I'll rent in Connecticut no, you, for the four or five the months thing I'm is, up here. I've been doing business in Florida for almost two de- or Actually, it's two decades now as of last month. So I know the market down there. I know the way mortgages work and real estate works down there. Yeah, the property taxes in some areas are a little bit less, but you still pay them every year. It's not a one-time. Yeah, but it's not like Connecticut. Depends on the area. You'd be surprised at some of the taxes I've seen in, in Florida. And it also, of course, depends on the price of the home. So one of the things, though, is people think it's going to be a lot cheaper down there. And some things are, but some things are not. Car taxes. 
there's no car no tax, car, car, no but car tax. one thing that's a lot more down there is w- there's state tax stamps that have to be paid whenever you buy, sell, or finance a home. So even if you buy a home now and pay them, and then you refinance in a year, you're going to have to pay those tax stamps again. Those can be pretty hefty. We're talking about thousands of dollars. Once you factor that in, that low property tax rate or mm. whatnot, it can definitely be a little bit less enticing. The other thing is utilities down there, I've found, have been more per kilowatt than they are in Connecticut, at least up until recently. Gotta, say, I don't know about they that, doubled really? recently, but huh. up until then, Florida was paying a higher per kilowatt that I saw. So that means you could be paying $100 more a month on your utility bills than you would up here. Here we have oil, there you don't, but there you've got AC running you know, all year long. I had a buddy of mine that moved down there and thought he hit the jackpot. He moved back up here after a year because he had a house with a pool and a waterfall. His electric bill was six to $700 a month, keeping that pool filter going and the heater on. And also, of course, keeping the waterfall going. So like certain things you look at, yeah, they're cheaper down there, but certain things are not. And I think it's just important to know your budget because I'm not saying you're not going to save money, but you may not be saving very much money versus here. And also groceries. Some groceries down there can be a lot more. Uh, of course, there's little ways to cut, shop at the discount stores, the wholesale clubs, but it's just, it's not all it's cracked up to be. So to answer your question, everyone's scenario is different. I've had some people that sell their property up here and get a job down there and move down there. That's usually your middle-aged What's people. the inventory like in Florida? It's worse than here. Worse. Oh, yeah. It's definitely not better. Um, so that supply and demand, that'll I mean, just increase, there's the, so much increase more the cost demand. of the house. Yeah. There's more people that want to buy a home in Florida than there are in Connecticut. Point blank, the numbers are what they are. There's Percentage-wise, there's less homes per people that want to buy them in Florida than here. Again, supply and demand. I've had a lot of people that look at it as a retirement destination. So what they'll do is they will take uh, they'll actually keep their home that they have up north, knowing that, hey, in a year, I'm retiring down there. In two years, I'm retiring down there. So we structure a home purchase in Florida as a second home or as a vacation home. They get everything intact, get everything in play, buy the property. And then a year or two when it's convenient and they're retired and they're able to, that's when they go and sell their home. So you can do either way. I like to consult on an individual basis with my clients to find out what's your financial scenario, what's your goals, are you comfortable being a landlord, how much is your mortgage versus what's the property going to rent for. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. It just can't work you know, those numbers to keep it up here. So I'd say majority probably will sell their home before they buy something else. Also equity, you need money to buy a home. And in this day and age with inflation, people don't just have 20 to 50 grand sitting around. And that's really the entry level to get into a home with, you know, three to 5% down and closing costs. You're talking about price of the home between 20 and 50 grand in most cases. So like, if you don't have that money, that money's tied up in your home, then you either have to borrow against it or you have to go and sell it to get access to that equity. And a lot of people with the market running up so much the last couple of years makes sense, makes, you know, more sense to sell. Maybe we should talk about building wealth. Well, especially That's what with, it's all about. With your mortgage. Right. So there's so many ways to build wealth. People don't really correlate a mortgage with building wealth. Like they think, yeah, real estate, you can make money, but where does the mortgage play in? I want to really open up eyes and ears to opportunities that 
have been right there, maybe you haven't thought of. Because at the end of the day, the reason that you own a home and you're not renting is because there was some sort of wealth building there, right? Whether somebody convinced you that, hey, stop paying your landlord's mortgage, pay your own, that's a really common thing, or build equity every month with your payment, that's really common. But let's dive into like what that really means and where does that bring you in the grand scheme of becoming a millionaire, becoming financially successful, and becoming like independent financially. All right, then let's start with a pretty simple question then how can someone use their mortgage to plan for their financial future let's start there right so there's so many different ways that a mortgage in real estate really plays into helping your future finances number one is going to be building equity so every time you make a mortgage payment that payment some of the money goes to interest some of the money goes towards principal mortgage is what's called an amortized loan that means every month a little bit more money goes to principal and a little bit less money goes to interest at the same time in the beginning when you're starting that mortgage especially if it's a 30-year mortgage you'll find that like almost your entire payment goes to the interest at that point. It can get pretty demotivating to see that, but don't worry because every month more and more goes. And I have a property now I've owned for over 15 years and like my mortgage payment on it's 1200 a month. 600 of that goes to principal every single month. 600 of that goes to build my net worth every single month. 600 of that goes to increase my equity. That doesn't happen overnight. That's because I've been paying this mortgage down, or I should say my tenants have been paying it down for the last, you know, decade plus on that. Another thing is refinancing. People can refinance the mortgage to lower the interest rate, restructure the loan, which then can help them save money and interest over the life of the loan. This hasn't been as popular in the last 12 months because inflation has been so high. Rates have been going up. But generally speaking, people look at refinancing their mortgage in order to save money, whether it's over the long term or on a monthly basis. And that can really help you with your finances and your financial planning because it can allow you to take money that was going towards your mortgage or house payment and actually put that towards something that it could really give you a multiple back and and, uh, give you a good return on investment. Another thing is accelerating the mortgage or paying extra on the mortgage. So this has been something lately a lot of people have been latching on to. Homeowners can make extra payments on their mortgage to pay it off quicker, and that can help them save money on interest over the life of the loan. So if you have a 30-year mortgage or even a 15-year mortgage, there's going to be a line item every month on your statement that's going to be like your monthly mortgage payment, right? That monthly mortgage payment is just a suggestion, though. That's based on whatever terms you set up when you got your mortgage, when you bought your home, or when you refinanced. Don't think that you're different because you want to put an extra $100 on there. Don't think that you're wrong because you want to pay that home off sooner. In a lot of cases, it may not be your best strategy to do, but it can increase your net worth because it can lower the amount of interest that you you pay. When you put extra money on a mortgage, it builds equity even quicker. Because if you put an extra 100 on your mortgage, that 100 comes directly off the principal of that loan. Basically, it goes into your pocket of equity. Whereas when you just make your regular mortgage payment, like we said, some of that, in many cases, most of that money goes to the, the uh, interest on the loan. Only a small percentage goes to principal. Another strategy that's really gained traction a lot over the last two to three years has been renting out a room in your property. So when things get tight financially, people want to bring in extra income, especially with the rise of Airbnb and these vacation rentals, 
renting a room out in your home, especially if you're single or, you know, maybe you're a couple without kids, it can really be a sound strategy because you can generate extra income, which then can help you save money for future investments. You can use the money from renting a room to pay off your mortgage quicker. You can use it to fund your 401k. Like there's no limit to what you could do with extra money coming in. And if you're renting it on like an online site, like a vacation rental, you could be talking about hundreds of dollars a month in extra income, sometimes even thousands. If my, let's, all right, let's say my, uh, my mortgage was 1500 Okay. And I wrote a check for $3,000. I made a double payment. How does my mortgage provider know that I am making a double payment so that this other $1,500 mm-hmm. should go towards principal rather than it paying right. next month's as well? Yeah, that's a big thing is paying the extra on the mortgage, making sure it goes to the right place. So if you're making a payment online, most people do nowadays, then there's going to be a spot online that'll say additional principal or extra principal. You'll put that extra 1500 key that in there. If you're making a payment through the mail with a check, then on the payment coupon, there's going to be a spot that says extra principal or additional principal. You're going to need to write in there that extra 1500 If you don't do that, you run the risk that they're going to put that money in suspense, which means they don't know where to put it. It's just going to be sitting out there in limbo until they let you or until you let the mortgage servicer know where you want that money to go. Uh, a really bad scenario is if they think that you want to put that money, say, towards your escrow account. Now all that money goes to your escrow sitting there earning you zip. <laughs> when it should be going to your principal. So you don't want to even think about making a mistake like that. You want to make sure that it's very, you know, it's keyed in and it's very apparent the reason why and what that extra money to go should go towards. Put it in additional principal online or through the mail. Then you're guaranteed it'll go to the right place. All right. So then what are the benefits then of using a mortgage to, let's say, plan for your financial goals. I don't know. Maybe it's retirement or education for your children. So or- many, so many reasons people need the money and they need that equity. So one thing is that homeowners, a lot of people don't think of this, but they can use the equity from one home to buy another home or buy another investment, cash out equity by rental properties, stocks, businesses. The intention doing that is to grow your net worth, right? Because you're paying interest. There's a cost to getting access to this money. Is your return going to be higher than the cost? That's big. One of the reasons why financial advisors love homes and mortgages is because it's automatic savings. Every single month, especially when your your tenure in that property is many years or decades, there's an automatic savings every month. You as a homeowner just look at it as I'm making another mortgage payment. But when you break it down, that extra mortgage payment might be adding to your equity 500, a thousand, even several thousand dollars a month, depending on how far you in are into that mortgage. So that automatic savings component, it's kind of like the 401k effect. Why do people invest in a 401k? Why is having that automatic investment such a big deal and, and such a thing that financial advisors love? Because you can't screw it up. Every month, every paycheck, it's coming out. Like it or not, markets up, doesn't matter. Markets down, it's coming out. That makes you an astute long-term investor. Same thing with home equity. Every single month you're making that mortgage payment, 300 comes off. A year later, 500's coming off. A couple years later, 700, 1,000 plus every month you're making that mortgage payment is coming out of that equity, building that equity, I should say, for you. And that's going to allow you to take advantage of these financial situations and tapping Mm. the equity in the future. So for right now, 
You may see it as a lost cause, but you are building your net worth because we're looking at what you owe on the home versus what it's worth. And that number is going up constantly when you're making your mortgage payment. That's key. What are the different types of mortgages that are available for, for planning here? Yeah. So a lot of different types of loans available. When we're talking about someone that has a lot of equity, if you have a lot of equity, we're probably going to be looking at like a conventional loan for you. Conventional means that it's backed by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. You're going to get the best terms, the lowest interest rates. So if you've got a lot of equity you're looking to tap, that's usually a good spot that we would uh, we would look at. FHA, VA loans, so the government-backed type of loans are good for financial planning because they'll allow us on an FHA loan, we can go up to 80% of your home value with releasing that equity. On a VA loan, we can go up to 90% which is huge. Only VA loans allow that. No other types of mortgages allow that. And it allows veterans to really get a leg up on everyone else when it comes to improving their finances and building their net worth because they can get access to 10% more money than a civilian can without that VA benefit um, because they served, because they did give their debt to this country. They get these this special treatment. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, jumbo loans. Jumbo loans are going to be, depending on the area, we're talking about loans that are probably in the 800000 to a million plus range. So it goes by county and what the loan limit it is for the county. But jumbo loans are really attractive for financial planning because a lot of these jumbo in, uh, jumbo homeowners are investors. You don't get to a $2 million home or a multi-million dollar net worth just going to work every day. Like these people understand investing. They understand letting their money work for them. They understand leverage. So I've seen a lot of scenarios of jumbo cash out refinancing, jumbo lines of credit and things of that nature. It can be super attractive on those. Understand if you're borrowing millions of dollars, the criteria is going to be stricter, right? You're going to have to have better credit. You're going to have to have more equity, but the opportunities are definitely there. And home equity lines of credit are big right now. Been hearing a lot of ads for these, a lot of people asking about home equity lines of credit. The good thing is that you only pay when you use the money. So if you're looking six months, 12 months, couple years out, and you don't know if you're going to need that money or not, and you're not, you don't know exactly how much you're going to need, that home equity line of credit can be great for that because you're not going to pay for it when you're not using the money. Then all of a sudden, if a year from now you borrow 50,000 out of there, that's when you start paying the interest. So so those are the scenarios where a home equity line of credit can be good. Um, the the other ones that I'll talk about here as we wrap up this question are the reverse mortgage. So there's two types we're going to talk about. The refinance reverse mortgage, where you're going to eliminate your payments. We're going to give you access to a line of credit. You're going to get some cash up front. You can take a, a payment every month from there to act like a pension or an annuity, but it's actually coming from the equity in your home. And the last thing with reverse is Heckam for purchase. Seldom use is a reverse mortgage you can use to buy a home. Typically requires a 50 to 60% down payment, but we're looking at this for a senior that's thinking about liquidating their investments to buy a home in cash. No, no, no. Keep your money working for you. Keep most of it in your investment account. Let's put only half down on the property and let the rest of that money work for you. And you're not even going to have to worry about a mortgage oh. payment for the entire time you're in the home. So that heckum for purchase, I'm seeing that pick up steam. A lot of people don't know about it. Mortgage bankers that don't understand or specialize in the reverse mortgage product, they may not even tell you the heckum for purchase exists. It's something that I love. It's something that I'm passionate about. And it may be something that's perfect for you if you're listening 
and you want to take advantage of those benefits. Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Uh, you can check out Rob's website. It's very simple. It's robgw.com, and his phone number is 860-413-3938. I'll give that to you all over again and a lot slower and his email address, uh, all that stuff more towards the end of the show. All right. So Rob, so, uh, how do you decide which type of mortgage is actually right for, you know, your financial goals? Yeah. With all these different types of loans and everything that we're talking about today, it can be really confusing yeah, to it, figure it out like it. mix and match. Yeah. So, I mean, the truth is that as a homeowner and a consumer, you have your, you have a job. Like you have stuff that you have to do every single day to make money for your family and pay your bills. You shouldn't need to sit down and study all these different mortgage programs or how to take advantage of them. So really the first thing you need to do is align with whoever's on your wealth team, align with your financial advisor, align with your mortgage advisor, come up with goals, and then let's put a strategy behind that. We can't come up with a strategy without knowing what you're looking to do. Maybe you don't own any property and you're looking to buy that first rental home. Maybe you already own a few rentals and you're looking to buy another or you're looking to buy a vacation home. Like there's so many different pieces of the puzzle that we need to put in play to realize what you're looking to do. And that's what's going to affect the type of mortgage product that we're going to use for you. The other thing is once you do the initial consultation back with your wealth team, your financial coaches, your advisors, your CPAs, tax planners and whatnot, then we want them to collaborate. When I'm on somebody's wealth team, I'm finding out, hey, who else should I be looping in on this? Do we need to get your CPA involved? Do I need to talk to a real estate agent? Who else on that team should be part of the conversation? Because two heads is better than one. And a lot of time, putting that together and having that collaborative uh, outlook can help us design an even better strategy for you. So one of the biggest issues is having all these disconnected pieces. But when you take the wealth team approach, which we've talked about in other episodes, and we have everyone on the same page, it can make a huge difference in getting that strategy. You in mentioned other episodes. It was only about a week ago, I think, that you were talking about using you know, your your mortgage to pay off credit cards and yes. other debts. But, yes. uh, but how do you know whether you you should be using your mortgage to pay off your debt versus maybe other financial opportunities. So on the surface, this question can seem really complicated because it's like, what, where, how, like, where do, where do I start with this? Right? Yeah. It's really an easy answer. We need to look at the rates of return. So your mortgage, whatever mortgage you have on your home, there's a return. There's a rate associated with that, right? 4%, 3%, 8%, whatever that rate is. Then there's also an investment return rate, which is going to be what will that investment pay? Well, you can go and look at your 401k or your financial advisor and find out what has that investment returned over the last year? What has it returned over the last five years? What does it return over the last 10 years? So the key is if you're going to borrow money using a mortgage, using equity, then we need to be investing that money in somewhere that is going to get a higher rate of return. If your mortgage is going to be five and a half percent, we need to be putting it somewhere that it's going to get better than five and a half percent. Now, it doesn't need to be substantially better because I've seen modeling done where your mortgage is at five and a half and your investments at 5.75. It's not a big difference, a quarter point. Or maybe the mortgage is at six, your investments getting six and a half. You'd look at that and go, it's not worth it. 
I'm telling you right now, just that differential of a quarter or half a point between the mortgage rate and the investment rate, that can mean millions of dollars in additional profit in your account mm. at the end of that. So don't write off just because the interest rate's a little higher now that it's not going to work. So that's a huge one is looking at the rate of return. You only want to focus on paying your mortgage off if the interest rate on your mortgage is higher than the expected returns on whatever other place you're going to put your money. The ones that I'm mainly talking about are going to be the retirement portfolio, 401k, IRA, Roth IRA, that sort of thing. Some people have a taxable brokerage where they're buying like individual stocks, things like that. I look more towards lower risk. So I'm looking more at like index funds, things that are lower risk strategies that tend to perform well over a long run. But unless your mortgage is at nine or 10%, that is the only case when it would make more sense to pay your mortgage off because the S&P 500 has done 10% over the last hundred years. So if it's done 10% over the last hundred years, why isn't it going to do 10% over the next hundred? And why are you paying off your mortgage that's at three, four, 5%? Hopefully that resonates with people. And you want to use the money when you're saving money somewhere, refinancing, you want to use that money to turbocharge your investments, turbocharge these other things instead of just saying, I want to pay my home off. And the last concept that I want to explain here is something called a freedom account. What the freedom account concept is, it came to me and I learned it from a book called Missed Fortune by Douglas Andrew. And the account freedom account is basically an investment account that's held separate from your mortgage. And it's where you're going to put all your extra money. So most commonly, it'll be like a 401k or a brokerage account. At what point does the freedom account balance surpass your mortgage balance. So what I'm saying is instead of putting an extra thousand dollars a month on your mortgage, what if you put an extra thousand a month Mm. in a investment account? At what point, how many years would it take based on historical returns for that investment account to exceed the balance of your mortgage? So if your mortgage is 200,000, but you have 210,000 in the investment account, well, to me, that's financial flexibility. Do you write a check and pay the mortgage to zero? You might want to do that. That, though, is the concept of the freedom account. You're better off doing that and having access to the money than you are putting that extra thousand a month on the mortgage. And then two years in, you go, oh, shoot, I need that money. Where'd it go? Doing the freedom account, you have liquidity and you also get the benefit of that increased uh, return to where you can ultimately still pay your mortgage off. It's just a little bit of a different strategy. Can you, I'm running out of time again, but it just happens when we get together here. I know. Uh, and there's still several questions I have. But if you can give me a, maybe a quick answer to this, maybe explain the role of, of credit scores. You always talk about credit scores and debt to income ratios in the mortgage process. And really, if you can, if there's an extra few seconds, how homeowners can actually okay. improve these factors to achieve their financial so goals. So whenever you're doing a loan on your home, we're going to be looking at the credit, which is going to tell us history of repayment, how likely that you are to default on the loan. Your debt to income ratio is your income versus your debt. So it's making sure that you have enough to pay that back, your ability to repay that loan. Now, numbers wise, we usually want to make sure that your total debt, including the new mortgage that you're getting, is no greater than 50% of your typical uh, gross income. Qualifications, we use automated underwriting, but a low credit score should have a lower debt to income ratio. So if you have low credit, you also want to have low debt to 
kind of manipulate into your favor the fact that you could get a loan. You're going to have more flexibility with loan programs by having a higher score. That's why I say if you're having financial issues, don't wait. Get with us quickly as financial professionals so we can help you while your score still may be okay. What can somebody do to get their score up? Pay down your revolving debt. Pay it down as low as you can. Typically, less than 30% of the limit and 10% of the limit or less is ideal. That's going to boost your credit score to get you ready to apply. Okay. Uh, you think I have can you, one more? Let's do, can we do it. one more question. Okay. Um, how can homeowners even take advantage of a mortgage? You know, like let's say refinancing. In other words, to achieve their financial goals. So the economy is always shifting, right? So you need to be looking at refinancing while rates are going down. You don't want to refinance while rates are going up in most cases, unless it's to consolidate debt. So, you know, pay attention to that. Switch from an adjustable rate to a fixed rate mortgage to stop all of the uncertainty with future increase increases of rates. Consolidate high rate debt in so that it will actually lower your uh total outflow every month and take cash out of your home to make home improvements, pay for education or invest. Those okay. are some different ideas. All right. That was pretty good. That was a short answer, but poignant, right? To the point as yes, well. Sir. Folks, you've been listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Age podcast. Very easy to get in touch with Rob. First of all, start with his website. It's robgw.com. Again, robgw.com. If you want to send him an email, uh, it's really, it's simple to do this as well. Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com and his phone number. Write this down. I know it's the weekend. Give him a call tomorrow. Make a consultation. 860 413 3938. There's no obligation. 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. Until next Saturday morning, have a good one, everybody. So long. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.